Hi there. Welcome to the Disability Dish. We're very excited to have a conversation today about disability and the veteran experience. And we have quite a few interesting guests here today. Um, my name is Jody Rachens, and I'm the Director of Disability Services here at UMass Lowell. And my relationship with the word disability is uh, multi-tiered. Um, I have been doing this work for nearly 20 years. Um, and I also have a personal relationship with the word disability. I have Crohn's disease and I have an anxiety disorder and I'm, my husband has ADHD and my five-year-old is, he's about to get the diagnosis of ADHD. We're, we're right about on that line right there. Um, and, um, and so, you know, it's, uh, multi-tiered in terms of the identity and the, and the work in which we do, um, and, we're excited to have this conversation today. As Lauren and I were talking about getting up, up to this conversation, my personal background is in professional counseling, but between professional counseling and before I started here just a little over two years ago at UMass Lowell, I, I really haven't worked at schools that have had a large veteran population. I've worked at private schools um, that, you know, I've had some veteran interaction, but not a large veteran population like UMass Lowell. So I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Um, I can go, yeah, I can go next. Uh, I'm Lauren Tornatori. I'm the Senior Assistant Director of Disability Education and Enhancement here at UMass Lowell. That's a mouthful. Uh, my relationship to the word disability, um, I always joke that if people go back and listen to the podcast, they, you know, people are going to pick out different things that I say different times. Uh, I have multiple family members who identify as people with disabilities. Um, it's what, you know, part of what made me interested in going into this field. Um, and I've worked in the higher education setting here at UMass Lowell uh, for about eight years. And prior to that, um, I worked as a school psychologist in K through 12 schools, um, assisting students with disabilities in various capacities. And we have a dog joining the podcast today. We have a today. dog that's got some stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want to uh, take a turn to introduce themselves? Uh, I'm Pete. I, uh, let's say, now I forgot the sequence. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are you, what are you studying here? At yeah, what do you do here? <laughs> I'm doing business analytics, uh, Marine veteran. Um, I'm service connected head to toe. Um, I have a hard time physically moving around. I have a hard time focusing on school. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm very close to my like thing. I just turn around. I am this close. You can't see me. I'm making that tiny little pinching thing. Tiny I'm this close pinching? to being a master of science. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. We're excited for you. It's good. It's been a we knew you were getting to this last class. It's exciting. Last couple of classes, it's exciting. <laughs> okay, who wants to go next? I can go. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my name's Lavinia. I'm in the uh, leadership education uh, program at UMass Lowell. Um, 
I'm a part-time guardsman. I was active duty for 13 years, and now I'm a part-time guardsman in Western Massachusetts. Um, my full-time capacity, I'm the director of the Security Operations Center at the NHL. So I have a, an interesting uh, connection to the veteran program um, at UMass Lowell. And I think from a background perspective with my connection, personally, I don't have um, anything related to the word or uh for, for a disability, but I have in my active duty career dealt with um, a lot of airmen who have had learning disabilities and physical disabilities um, throughout their career. And I think one of the interesting perspectives that I can bring is because of the need to be cautious about what you share from a learning disability perspective in the military you know we can't share a lot or we we fear we're going to get kicked out of the military those types of things um i've had an opportunity to uh help airmen uh, figure out ways to uh improve their their training records and, and those types of things so uh that's that's where i'm at thank you next no go janine <laughs> I defer. I'm, I'm Dr. Janine Ort. I am the Director of Military and Veteran Services at UMass Law. Uh, we have been here since 2011. We established the program and then have built it since then. Uh, we served approximately uh, 1,450 veterans, both online and on campus. And um, we've grown that number since uh, 2011 where we started with uh, less than 500 student veterans. So it's been largely word of mouth um, that we've been able to grow our numbers. Go ahead. Hi, I'm, I'm Bill McDevitt, Assistant Director of Veteran Services and Military Benefits. Uh, combat veteran in Vietnam, wounded twice. Um, been here 10 years and uh, met a lot of good veterans from coming through our doors. And uh, very happy to help them. Thank you. Okay, Mark, you get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark Fountain, uh, I was a 2017 graduate of UMass Lowell. I was the president of the SVO there for a little bit and served as a disability liaison between uh, the veterans office and you kind folks over there doing what you're doing. I uh, predominantly now work with uh, disabled athletes uh, with adaptive hockey uh, up here in the Northeast and uh, down in the Southeast. Uh, where I founded the Charleston Warriors Sled Hockey Program for dis disabled athletes, uh, wounded, ill, and injured, and other individuals in the community with disabilities. And uh, while I'm up here in the Northeast, to kind of help out with the program that got me started up in New England with their Warrior Ice Hockey Program. So uh, myself, I'm a disabled vet, um, 23 years, split between the Air Force and the Army, Army Reserves. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Mark, we might come to our, yeah. our next episode. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you said that about, you know, disabilities and athletes. I'm like, I'm in the midst of it right now. So, yeah, I know. Seasons in full blow. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Lauren, let's let's dig right in. Let's go for yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So one thing that we were curious about folks sharing is um, just sharing your experience transitioning from the military to higher education. Um, if anyone has anything that they would like to share in terms of their experiences with that transition and, and you know, how that went for you. I mean, I could take a shot at it, uh, you know, kind of coming in there, a non-traditional, non-traditional, non-traditional student, you know, with three different ways. I mean, I was older when I retired from the military. Uh, I had already looked to uh, change my civilian occupation at the time, so it was in the back of my mind, but I was still on active duty at the time um, with the reserves. And then, uh, you know, sure enough, life happens and you find yourself where, okay, well, I can't return a job A and job B said I can't do it anymore. So I'd already done a little bit of research as far as where to go, looked at a couple of schools, and when it kind of came to the fact that I'd be just back up in uh, in, in New England, um, you know, UMass was always highly ranked, so it was kind of a no-brainer uh, at the time to be, you know, you know, close to a school that, uh, you know, kind of caters a little bit more than maybe some other schools. But I think the biggest challenge was, you know, being – you know, I'd already established two great careers. I, I had kids in school, one in high school, one in college. And then coming to this crossroads, well, if I go to school, well, how do I provide for everything else going forward? You know, this is going to be a little bit of a break. And, you know, and I'm not sure it's going to be the right fit, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so it was kind of uh, when I was being discharged and they send you through the TAP programs and tell you about, education and then wanting you to take some courses so i was taking some courses anyways i just figured i'd parlay that into a four-year degree um but i think it was more of a challenge of, you know it was more of a self-challenge going from very comfortable environments into a completely hey, i'm old i'm broke and you know I, I'm, not, I'm not the cool kid on campus by far you know what i mean so uh you know, at one point I try, hey, kids, I'm going to go to Salem State. And they were like, no, you're not. It's like, I guess I'm going to UMass Lowell. So, you know, I even try to go to where my kids were going. But, yeah, that got shut down hard. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it ended up being the right school, the right fit. And I think, again, it was just more or less kind of overcoming those initial fear, fears of, you know, I've had some stability and, and now I'm going into a, a new environment. Um with maybe a couple other challenges and how is all of that going to kind of uh, come together once I start taking classes and once I start, Oh my goodness, there's math. There's, you know, there's this, I can't, you know, I, I can't retain a left turn. I just took, never mind. you know, all this new information getting thrown at me. So I think it was the biggest challenge was just kind of getting over that little bit of self, uh, that self doubt about changing some things. So, yeah, as you, I, I, Pete, I know you wanted to answer too, but I will say, uh, Mark, you know, as someone whose father did not graduate college until her freshman year in high school, uh, and we ended up going to the same school, I can definitely identify with your kids' embarrassment. Um, I we ended up having a lot of the same professors, my dad and I, um, and it's a, it's a good thing he was a good student because you know I had to, but then I had to live up to that. 
so I completely understand your kid's embarrassment a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was a it's an interesting experience. So <laughs> from the kids' perspective, but um, Pete, I know you you had kind of wanted to talk about your transition a little bit too. Yeah. So yeah, um, <clears throat> a little bit different than that. Um, I kind of had my my back and my knees decided for me that I was done with the military. Um, and, uh, so that was one thing set me off there, but, uh, my other, I suppose my main issue was, um, I, I was in the reserves and I was actually going to school right around my deployment. So I actually saw something, a comment on Facebook. I've been there. So been away from Facebook for so long and then get on and see some veterans things. And someone had actually straight up commented that, Going back to school right after my deployment was the worst thing I ever did. And, uh, yeah, because now my brain has this weird connection between going to school and my deployment. So it's like every time I'm doing something, I have this weird connection that some bizarre hurdle I'm dealing with. Um, so I had a couple things going on there. And, uh, yeah, I actually just left school for a while and got a dead-end job just so I would uh, be doing something and realized I'm literally wasting my life doing this. Um, so I went back to school. Um, it was actually a Marine veteran that was actually working with us, just took up some part-time shifts, and I was told him I was two classes shy in my bachelor's degree. He's like, dude, you got to finish that. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I got that, and um, weirdly, uh, it was a professor I had that uh, was, I, I actually had no idea what, like, I, I, I knew there were people in wheelchairs that went to school, so I figured that's what the disability services office was for. I had no idea that there was something for me to go there, too, and she actually, like, informed me, like, yes, I, I can't do things for you unless it's preferential treatment but if you go to the disability services office then i can do so i'm like oh okay sure trying to make this not a long story and i'm already failing um <laughs> yeah um, so yeah uh, that's just it i got that situated and i was able to get that done and when i finally had my bachelor's degree done it was like okay i do have i still have the gi bill i have some other stuff why don't i actually go and get something going um are we still on question one here? I'm trying to look at the question. <laughs> well, we always veer we always veer off a little bit from the questions. The questions are always just like these are yeah. what we're gonna try to do, but we never know where it's gonna go. Um I do wonder if either of you mind if I ask a follow-up question just because of something that came up that the both you, Mark, and, and you, Pete, kind of talked about, which is that, um, you know, non-traditional, right? And I know, Janine and Bill, that's something you all talk about, too, that you are working with non-traditional students who typically are balancing a bigger kind of load in terms of working, paying bills, you know, having a family possibly. And so I didn't know if anyone would would share, you know, how do you find that balance between trying to manage all the pieces of life in comparison to a non-traditional student? Like what resources do you feel that you pull on that maybe other people don't? Um, I, I, oh, go ahead. 
You know, I was going to think out loud about how to answer that. If you got an answer, go ahead. <laughs> Can you repeat that one more time, more? Yeah, I was just wondering about, you know, kind of the the sense of most students um, who are military veterans that come to college are non-traditional. You know, you're older, you've maybe had some careers, you may have a family to support, rent to pay, you know, those types of things that come into play in comparison to the traditional quote unquote like 18 year old student who's coming in um you know so i'm wondering what resources do you feel that you engage with in order to be able to get through to to complete a college degree while balancing all those other needs uh each other yeah so i think the nice. veteran i think the veteran community in itself um you know, I think that's one thing we're all good at trying to get back to each other. It's kind of instilled in us, you know, you know take care of those that take care of you, right? So um, I, I think just in that may take a little while to find, but I think there's always a good resource. If somebody doesn't have the resource, I mean, certainly all you got to do is walk in the veteran service office there. I mean, there's plenty of resources just with, with, with Janine and Bill between the two of them. But then when you start talking about other resources some stuff outside that maybe other folks don't, you know, know about until they hear about it that are there to help, whether it's a sports program, whether it's, hey, we know you're having a hard time getting something, but we know where we can get you some adaptive equipment. Um, you know, there's this other organization that, that can help you out with that. So I think it's just kind of pointing people uh, back and forth to organizations that have kind of helped them. Um, like the balance thing's hard because then you start throwing in doctors, you know, doctor's appointments, uh, on top of, Hey, I'm having some surgery, but I got a, I got a 20 page paper I got to write, or, you know, my back's bothering me, something's bothering me. And now I have, you, you know, I got some tests coming up and I don't even, I can't sit for two hours, never mind you know, a three hour exam. So, you know, trying to get those resources like, Hey, what do you do when this happens to you? You know, not everything is, hey, the disability service office, because that's just not reasonable. You guys can only handle so much. So it's, hey, what do you do for that? And a lot of it's just feeding off each other. And I, th I think we're kind of one of the best resources for each other, other veterans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a weird thing I've noticed. I keep having classes and running into veterans in the class, too. It's like, oh, hey, <laughs> so what's up? And it's uh, kind of just comparing things on that. Um, also, me... I think this is what you were asking. Um, what are they calling it now? VR and E. Uh, it was Voc Rehab for a while. Mm -hmm. So I have that resource. Um, so that's helping me that with the GI Bill. That's getting me through there. Um, I'm actually you know, one of those weird things where things fall in your place. Uh, a friend of mine was uh, finishing up her master's degree and doing an internship at the Vital Program through the VA, and I wound up getting situated with that. Um, that's specifically a thing that's for veterans returning to school. Um, and I mean, those, you know, big time help in that um, probably would not be going through school if there wasn't uh, something else going in there. Yeah, and I think that sense of leaning on each other is something that I don't hear from as much 
from non-traditional students, you know, they're kind of worried about what club do I join or like, how do I make friends and things like that. And yeah. so it is a different experience to typically hear about students who feel like they have a little bit of a built-in network of, of people to ask because, you know, you may share some similar experiences. So that's yeah. very unique. And I, oh, I think like, oh, go ahead. So, yeah, no, I just might as well share that when I was doing a group project with uh, a thing, we were talking about the statistics classes we had to take. And I mentioned that I took Stats 101 20 years ago. And the girl in the class said, 20 years? I'm 25 now. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. But, um, yeah, so there is uh, those differences going through these things. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah we um, a couple of years ago when we started reading documentation and we saw people's birthdays of incoming freshmen and they were born well after September 11th. It was like, whoa, okay. Um, yeah, this is a different chapter of students. Um, you know, that it's, it's really interesting to be kind of interacting with, with different groups of students. And I, I wanted to share a little bit too that, you know, one of the things that is, I hope as we um, always sort of trying to little by little shed the disability stigma is that, you know, this disability community can do the wonderful things it sounds like you're all doing and relying on each other and feeling less alone and feeling more of a community because I feel like so many times when we meet with a student, we meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. There's a lot of confidentiality. We sort of have to, um, but we we hear the patterned experiences for different students and it's and they're not necessarily alone in their experience but they may feel that way especially somebody who is more of your your college age um and is connected to fewer things um and you know it's it's really nice to hear that, that your community is is so robust and that you can really rely on each other and that that's something i have hopes for for you know the college disability community and i i think it's beginning to happen. I think we, we're we seeing more students who are more comfortable talking about disability and their disability um, and are more interested in sharing. And, you know, I think that that will ultimately be beneficial for, for people. And yeah. Well, I think that uh, military culture really helps a bit in this area and it, and it works against uh, student veterans also. But um, the idea that you take care of your comrades and your teammates is um, is a really important concept in military culture. And then um, it's a value-based culture. Um, you know, service before self um, and, and putting other, others first, um, honor and integrity. And th these are shared values that, that veterans uh, have across the services. It's just not a single service. And so, um, you know, they have that commonality. And so, um, you know, in the classroom, they might be different services. Um, and there is some sibling rivalry between mm -hmm. each of those branches. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the people on the call. Uh, but, but you know, don't pick on my brother or sister uh, because I will come. I will come to their uh, their service. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so this idea of camaraderie and helping each other out is an inherent part of military culture, and um, there are other parts 
of that same military culture, that makes the transition difficult. Um, you know, in the military, everybody works as a team. Um, what you achieve, you achieve as a team. Uh, it's a very uh, group-oriented approach. And, you know, higher ed is individual. You go to school by yourself, you take your tests by yourself, um, and you achieve your grades by yourself. Um, for those veterans that have the wonderful experience and, and the ones that are on this call can share, of working in uh, teams and groups with other more traditional students, um, there, there is a bit of friction between the traditional student and the non-traditional veteran student mm -hmm. um, around the areas of work ethics sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, am I understating it, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to hear more about that, about the, you know, about the, those differences, right, between, between you all and some of our, our quote-unquote traditional students um, and what kind of sticks out to you. I've had a mix. I've had some lucky group things where actually everyone was on board. And then, yeah, there's that. Someone else is all for putting in a lot of effort and someone else, not so much. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I will. One little thing about that that I suppose might be worth sharing in the mentality of these things is when we were doing a group getting ready for our presentation. I don't know if this there's another question coming up later or what, but uh that 25-year-old who decided to point out how much younger than me she was, <laughs> when it came time to get ready for the presentation, she was like, really, I, I at first didn't quite get it. She was saying she was nervous about doing the thing, and I just, off the top of my head, just like, nobody's going to die. We're fine. So that was the first thought that came to my mind in this whole thing, but then she was like really stating how nervous she was, and I just like looked her in the eye and put my hand on her shoulder. I was like, you're good. We got this. We're going to be fine. Which I don't know how often that might come from someone else. But uh, again, I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah, it's like, this is a presentation. I've given presentations while there's a war going on. I'm what? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I bet that was really comforting to her to hear it from, from you. It worked out. <laughs> it's true that's something that Lauren says a lot she says when students are really nervous to have their intake meeting or something she she's like so it's over how'd you do did you die no i died <laughs> we did it we got through <laughs> like yeah. we, it feels high stakes yeah know, but it does it's not we, we can seem scary but on the yeah on the paper side of things yeah <laughs> Lavinia or Mark, did you have anything else to add about kind of non-traditional students and your experience? No, just kind of off that group thing. It was just kind of always like uh, using that, uh, the power of negotiation, you know. It's like, hey, you've been working with some of your teammates. It's like everybody's got a strength, all right? So, hey, if you want to write it, if you want to throw the PowerPoint together, if you want to do this, I'll go up there and I'll run my mouth and I'll talk about it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm not – I'm. Um, you know, I've been public speaking, whatever, through jobs and, and whatnot, and as an instructor. So it's like, I got that. If you guys 
you know, want to take care of the rest. So it was always like this power negotiation. Um, but again, though, I think on the other side of it, too, it's like let's take groups and there's the old guy, and you know, with the crutches and the cane sitting in the corner going, hey, what, what about me? You know, mm-hmm. I want to play on the team, too. So, um, but, yeah, you know, but it's also to be expected after a while. I, you know, and I get it. You can kind of look in a kind of some through somebody else's eyes going, I, I don't know. Because there's also, I think, with groups and stuff like that coming in there, there's, there's that perception of what the veteran is. So. Yeah, and what, what would you all say you feel some of the the misconceptions are sometimes about veteran students? I know, I know certainly sometimes – you know, Janine, Bill, and I have had conversations with some some professional staff from our perspective. But I'm wondering, from the student perspective as well, what are do you what are some misconceptions that sometimes you feel float around about your community? You know, I completely yeah, I... forgot about something. Oh. Mm, yeah. Can I just cut somebody off? No, go ahead. I completely forgot about this is going back to right after my deployment when I joined a student group and um, it was actually the anthropology club. And uh, I, don't even, I don't even know if it, what made it come up. And some girl just kind of started commenting that like people in the military are there because they, they couldn't go to college. And mm-hmm. the president was like, I'll stop there. He's like, we have veterans here in the group. And mm-hmm. I was like, Again, this was one of those, I didn't have to worry about anything blowing up near me, so I didn't really give a shit about a lot of things, but she did apologize. After, like She actually came up to me after the fact, after the meeting was done to apologize for that comment, but I was like, really? um, also, we're going to state school. It's not like there's some super elite whatever thing here, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um and I, I don't know if that's still, I mean, it depends on who you're asked. Some people probably still absolutely believe that. Um, I think not, this is going back, this was 2007. So, I mean, more recently, uh, there was one dude in my class I was talking to. We were talking about soccer. I don't care about soccer, but that's that was his sport. And... Um, I don't know how it wound up coming up that I was in Iraq. And he's like, how was that? It was hot. And left it at that. And he didn't go, sorry. He didn't go trying to push any more than that. So I think he got that. But it wasn't like, I don't know. It just was. Nothing really changed after that. But I mean, I say it's slightly better now of, of students I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, you are specifically talking about students, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So yeah. kind of the, the any misconceptions that are out there maybe about military connected or veteran students, you know, on a college campus. Um, and I know, Pete, you just mentioned a couple in Lavinia. I saw that you just took yourself off of mute, but then muted again. So let's I'm get not you, sure let's get you talk. in it, Lavinia. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't want to interrupt anyone. Um, so I think, I think a lot of the misconceptions that I would associate with, you know, students on campus that are veterans would be, you know, well, one, they're probably uneducated, right? Because they're they joined the military and. 
kind of similar to what I think Pete said, right? Like the uh, like they just assume that they are not educated when in all actuality, some of the airmen that I've had the opportunity to work with have been far more educated than I am. Um, and so I, I've always put it into perspective um, when folks ask like, what, why did you go back to school? Why did you join the military? And like, regardless if you're a veteran or not, right? Like everybody joins um, everybody goes into a career and or goes to school for different reasons. Um, and I think um, another one of the uh, misconceptions is the only reason um, why a veteran's going to school is, oh, it's just it's just free school. You're just coming here because you get free school. Um, when no, everybody goes to school for different reasons. And I, and I think at the end of the day, we all just want to improve ourselves. Um, and if it's you know, a bachelor's or a master's, maybe that undergraduate student who's not a veteran also has the same level of education as, you know, those military folks, right? They're still young. They also have not gone to college potentially. So it's all about perspective and um, sharing that, like, everybody's got something going on at home. Everybody's got different experiences and sharing that in a way where you can find connection to people who aren't veterans. So I know, uh, you know, Mark and Pete talked about that, like, we've all embraced the suck. So there's this commonality of military lifestyle that we can connect to. But how do we connect to those who are not military background? Um, and I think that's where the biggest challenge is. Yeah, I also I wanted to chime in on something too. I noticed here I am in grad school, learning things or being taught things that I learned in my MOS school. Hmm. So however you want to consider how those are, what the quality of what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, not even in school, just being a reservist, I was having to deal with people who thought like I wasn't really in the military because I was in the reserves. And there's this kind of thing is just all around. Um, but yeah, I don't know. A lot yeah. of people. You know, I think we it's have a to different put it environment. In Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was just saying it was you know it's a different environment. You know, when we come in, everybody's you know folks already have a preconceived notion, right? So we talked about you know uneducated and whatnot, or you know I go into class one day looking like the motorcycle enthusiast that I am sometimes. And, uh, you know, I just remember one student looking at me going, until I got to know you, I just looked at you, and I was like PTSD written all over this dude. So, <laughs> and it's like, and maybe you're right. Who knows? But, uh, it's, yeah, you know, it's just it's kind of that stigma. And it's like, I, I think to a certain degree, anybody with, uh, you know, a, a disability, a certain level of disability, um, you know, that. We don't live with that. We make that thing live with us and try not to keep it, uh, you know, make that a barrier for us. You know, many instances, it's just a word and I can run off a list of names and uh, that prove that fact. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of preconceived stuff we got to come in and barriers that we got to go through. Um, but eventually, you know, we're all hard nosed rats. We get through it one way or the other. So. And I do think there's a an education piece for, for like us veterans to educate others about the military. We're already, you know, 
less than 1% of the United States population is in the military and even less percent is a disabled veteran, right? So not everybody who's going to school is going to have that, you know, stigma attached to them, which by no means should be a stigma, right? But like, nobody's gonna, not everybody's gonna have that. And we have to educate folks that like, we're still students. We're all students here to learn. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think assumptions and stigma are something that comes up basically every episode and basically daily in our lives as well when we're talking with students and kind of un unpacking those. Um, you know, I, Mark, you brought up something interesting that it's a little bit off the off the list of questions, but it, it was a, a topic that we talked about actually in our last episode was sort of acquiring disability at different life phases um, versus, um, you know, sort of a lifetime of disability and sort of how one goes through an identity process with that. And I, I don't know if anyone would feel comfortable sharing about that, but I think that, you know, that it, it it's a different acquisition of a disability from, you know, as a veteran and from the military situation. And I'm, I'm curious if there's anything anybody would want to share sort of about, about that. I think I missed a part of your question. Could you say that again, please? It wasn't even really a question. It was just a lot of blathering. Um, but, um, <laughs> but was, so we, we had a whole podcast episode on sort of, a, on disability identity at different phases, like whether you were born with a disability or you acquired it in an adulthood or you acquired it through a specific incident or situation in your life or, you know, those kind of things. And so, you know, we, we didn't unpack in that one, um, you know, acquiring a disability through, you know, there, I think there's two different ways we can talk about disability with, with veterans is acquiring it from service um, and there's the disability that somebody might be bringing into service and that we know that there's some stigma around that as Lavinia was saying, you know, um, talking with students. Um, I, I'll, I'll give an example. I was talking with a student who wishes to go into the army after college and does not want to take ADHD medication um, because of sort of some fear of taking medication now early in college um, to assist with being a student and succeeding through college because of concerns four years from now in the in the army. And, you know, I, I, I struggled with that student in terms of like, I don't exactly know what, um, what the stigma, I don't know enough about the stigma here in terms of your feelings on this. And I don't want to just kind of go ahead and say, well, you should just take medication now because it'll help you. I, you know, I want to learn about this a little bit more. So this is not a question. I'm just saying things, but, um, you know, thinking about acquiring a disability through service or having a disability and how that works through the military. I don't know. I'm just curious. Um, well, I developed, I had a, a adult onset celiac disease. So yeah, you Crohn's me celiac. Yeah, great. Um, GIs. <laughs> we, um, and I, I guess there's some, some people get the diagnosis when they're kids. So they spend their whole lives having to follow that diet and dealing with all that. Whereas, yeah, I eventually turned it around and like, oh, what, what the hell is going on now? That's been my whole life, not having an issue there. But um, 
I assume what I'm trying to get at is, yes, if you spend your whole life dealing with something, you kind of know how to deal with it from the get-go. And then all of a sudden, like, I can't walk right. I used to be able to go and run. Um, yeah, so it is kind of that whole coping thing and uh, dealing with things um, all around. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, Mark said, you just kind of you deal with it. <laughs> I have survived worse, and now I'm just kind of, okay, keep going. Maybe as, maybe as far as acquired, right? So you go in the military, and, and everything's all well and good, and then all of a sudden, slam, bam, you're done. Um, and I kind of equated it um, when I was kind of processing things like that is, all right, well, you know, I was at the best, you know, I was at the best top part of my career, and now suddenly it's done. So I can only relate that to maybe what a professional athlete has done that thing your whole life and suddenly boom you can't do that anymore and this is the reason a b c or d that you can't do um and some of those things are visible and some of those things are not and i think sometimes especially being a young person uh coming out and now all of a sudden there's well i don't want a handicap plate even though it hurts me to hell to walk from point a to point b i don't want that there's a stigma that goes with that or it's like you pull in a handicap spot and then you know then the the older folks are eyeballing you to make sure you, when you, when you get out of that thing, you ain't running and jumping, you know what I mean? And you're just kind of, you're, you're looking what that license plate in their mind says you should look like or that hanger. Okay. Or that piece of paper that says you're a hundred percent disabled veteran. You need to look a certain way. Uh, and many of us don't. So it's kind of, you know, walking around with that mindset of, I would like to do these things, but I know I can't or my body telling me that I can't. Um, and then I guess, you know, now we're learning new things about ourselves, our bodies, physically, cognitively, whatnot, in one environment, especially when it's that quick transition right out of the military into college, and you don't have a little bit of a buffer. So I think that quick transition is now I'm going from being who I was with this mindset to now trying to readapt to something, um, a lifestyle that, you know, I've given up. But now I have to fix, figure out how I'm going to do it with this, this other piece, this other disability. And I think that's a heavy weight. I know it was for me, and I can only speak for me. I know for me doing that and being as active as it was and everything, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken. Oh, yeah, you're sick. You know, this is why all this happens. And now it's like, okay, now i got to try to figure all that out in my mind. And i gotta, I got to test at 8 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, let me go deal with those two things. Um, I, and whether that answers the question or not, maybe I'm just rambling. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot coming in from military service into, um, you know, especially into a college setting. You know, folks being four or five years, 20 years, 30 years older than their contemporaries in the classroom. And maybe not trying to, overtake a classroom or something going, hey, but I have all this knowledge, but I'm just going to sit back here and, you know, kind of not put it in because I don't know if I'm even supposed to be here. So. Uh, what do, I'm curious about, um, you know, what kind of, because you guys are all touching upon some like barriers that I think are unique to your community in coming to higher education. And, you know, it's, we're usually talking 
to students who maybe like came from another university and how things are different here or, you know, but for you all, you're talking about an entire career and then transitioning. I'm wondering if um, you all have any thoughts or opinions about um, how higher education maybe could be structured that would assist the transition um, from a military experience to the higher education experience. Hmm. Well, one, one thing, well, one thing we do here, we have a veterans orientation. Uh, even though the school has an orientation, the kids coming in, we have a veterans orientation. There's a lot of things we discuss that barriers, I should say barriers, but things that are going to come up that they're not used to. We try to uh, ease the road for them with any questions, tell them all the benefits that they're entitled to, which a lot of times the services do not explain. I tell the tell the students that. So, and we do it for the dependents as well. But uh, mm -hmm. that's one thing you uh, uh, is doing anyway. We we like to get the veterans when they come in the door and help them in any way. Tell them about the uh, veterans. Are willing to help other veterans too. We if kids walking the door saying that I need some help in uh, physics. Somebody sitting in the office say, Hey, I know that I can help you. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that, that's not normal. That's that's. That's, uh, uh, very uh, happy about that. The veterans are just sticking their head out to help some other veteran. And uh, something about the veteran community community sticks together like that. So I would be interested to know kind of what faculty and teachers get from like a what can veterans bring to your classroom perspective. Um, and I say this as I compare it to a veteran transitioning and going to get a job. So when I transitioned out of the military to, you know, I'm not going to be a full-time military member anymore. I need a job. I went to job fairs and the, it was very entry-level jobs that were available to me as a military member. But at that point, I had, I had been in the military for 13 years. I didn't really want an entry-level. I would, you know, want a mid-level uh, type of job. So I think there, there, and definitely UMass Lola has been one of the most accommodating schools for a veteran in terms of integration and working with me with my schedule. Um, but I would, I would be interested to see like what schools offer to teachers for what a veteran can bring to them. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one sometimes because we don't have a whole lot of, of pull, I would say, from an office perspective. We don't always have a lot of pull to be able to dictate professional development for faculty members. Uh, and I see Janine shaking her head. Yes, um, we're, there are many times we would love to provide professional development uh, for people to understand different communities on campus. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's difficult to sometimes make that happen at a higher education level. So I do think that that is an interesting thing because I would agree, you know, you do see things in kind of the job field in, in some sectors talking about being open to uh, you know veterans applying and talking about some of the the great qualities that people can bring to their job but yeah i don't know that a lot of that happens in the higher education well setting. actually it does it's a best <laughs> practice across the nation for uh institutions to have 
um, a military cultural competency training or something similar for faculty and staff. And as a matter of fact, we at UMass Lowell are going to be doing this in March. Yay! Our <laughs> so we've done it periodically over the years. Um, but it's it really truly is a best practice in higher ed. Um, and it, it is exactly what you mentioned. What do student veterans bring to the classroom, to the campus? And to their communities, and um, and I and I also think that faculty and staff draw on um, our office um, if they if they have a policy question, if somebody's deploying. UMass Lowell has one of the most liberal um, deployment and PCS um, policies, so our military uh, connected student policy doesn't just um, cover the service member or the veteran, it also covers their family members. So, um, you know, those policies are really important and across the nation more and more, they're being written into law um, so that those that are still serving in uniform, if reservists and National Guard members, uh, are not penalized for their military service while they pursue their academic um, educations. So, you know, again, policy is really important. In this case, it changes um, the student's experience and it actually enables both the education and their ability to serve their nation. So is that offered to like all faculty? Like, is it like an online training or how does that work? The one that we're doing coming up is in person because the person that is coming to facilitate that training, um, it's a very interactive, hands-on mm -hmm. experience. But we've also done uh, done remote uh, mm -hmm. military cultural competency training, and um, and other universities do the same, both remote and in person. So um, I think it's becoming more accepted and more actually expected um, across the nation. So, you know, it's one thing to say you're military friendly. It's another thing to actually have the policies and support in place to uh, back that up and actually provide services to the folks that you're trying to serve, military connected folks. Yeah, especially those adjunct faculty, right? Those are the hardest ones yeah. to nail down sometimes. I love that. Um, I'm paying attention to the time. And I mean, this is, a, I feel like this is a pretty nice place for us to to land. And as we often feel at these episodes, like, oh, we could go on for another couple of hours. Um, um, but I, 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 we do like to talk about a little, like a takeaway that we've had from this conversation. Um, and one of the takeaways I know I have was just listening to actually the what, what you were each talking about, about your different group experiences and those, forth, those things, I mean, that we really can and should be highlighting the strengths of what you can bring to the class and the dedication and that giving a presentation isn't the worst thing in the world. And, you know, and figuring out within a group presentation where the talents and the strengths are. I mean, you you all are bringing this like really cool organizational skill uh, to to a group that I your, your members of your classes are just really benefiting from that, um, you know, while they're kind of scrambling to develop as human beings with a frontal lobe, um, you know, and so I think that you're, there's an incredible amount of value. So I know I'm, I'm going to take that and 
really think about those pieces. Uh, I would say for me, a takeaway would be just the, because we talked about it so much at the beginning about like non-traditional, 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 right? So thinking about yeah. some of our students when they're walking in our door, because we don't always get a whole lot of information about that person, but I think keeping in the back of my mind, um, you know, the the different things that people are bringing in terms of, of their ex life experience to when we're meeting with a student, you know, that there's lots of different factors at play, um, you know, and just realizing that and I think taking a pause sometimes and saying, hey, you know, what's going on for you? Or what are some other, you know, things that we can connect a person to? Because, um, you know, we just always want to make sure that people can feel connected and also feel like they have multiple ways to reach out and ask when they need something instead of feeling alone, you know, because it is that team mentality, which is very different than higher education is all about me, 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 and, and you know, that person's name on their degree. And, um, and looking at, you know, how can we foster more of kind of, a, a team or group mentality um, so that all students can benefit from each other too. And not everybody has to answer, but if anyone else feels like they wanted to share something that's sort of sticking with them from this conversation or final things they want, you know, um, higher education to know or us to know um, or the thing that you're kind of just going to mull over after this conversation. I do feel like I need to jump in and say something quickly. Um, I have had some professors who bend over backwards to be helpful. I recognize I'm a veteran and, and all that. Um, I have others do the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, okay, I'll keep this vague. I have gone through the proper channels and um, Everyone around is kind of appalled by that behavior. And it does even at that seem like there's only so much that can actually be done about it. And uh, even even using the phrase, hey, you walked away with a successful thing. And um, I just do want to highlight that uh, I have been told by various different people from all the programs I'm in that other veterans run into the hurdles that I have and then they quit school. That's that's enough to make them stop and they don't go through. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's it's for all the challenges of going back to school. I mean, at my age, totally changing trajectory of what I have gone to school for and everything that's uh, on paper. Everything's against me and I should have crashed and burned on the way doing this. Um, and uh, it's just where that. I, I don't know the whole the education of who's involved again it's um, yeah and you're you're persisting yeah. you are persisting and you're this close yeah. as we said at the beginning <laughs> yeah i guess I, I also do want to point out as far as what the veteran community is and whatever what what i had as we we have talked about this and i was trying to what, what it was that kind of got me to keep going and i actually did remember that uh at that time, what I drew on was uh, I had seen a. I'm, I'm sure it's been around somewhere else, but it is the, the boots rifle helmet memorial thing, set up, and it says, "Live a life worth their sacrifice." And that is what got me that uh, I had started something and I was going to finish it, and uh, getting things going, and turn around and not just let, 
let whatever happened get in the way. Thank you. Lavinia, I know you were supposed to be gone five minutes ago. So if you're still there and you wanted to share anything, I'll give you a chance to do so. <laughs> you may have already had to cut out. Anybody else want to share any takeaway or? Oh, sorry. I'm in. I'm in the car, so I, I have extra time. Um, oh, okay. No, I, I, uh, I just I just wanted to say thanks for for having me on, and I think my biggest takeaway is just um, listening to um, my fellow veterans' experience and uh, trying to take a more compassionate look at um, other you know folks in my classrooms um, or or, you know, faculty who on campus and just ensure that I can keep in mind that, like, you know, I'm not aware of everything that they've gone through, and I have to understand that. So it's my big takeaway. Thank you. Thanks. Anyone else? Final thoughts? Watching the clock a little bit. I guess I'll just say uh, thanks again for having me. Always good to see, you know, some familiar faces, familiar places. Um, yeah, I just, a few things I hadn't thought of in a while. So, speaking the brain a bit. Thank you. I'd, I'd like to thank both of you for, for hosting this podcast and inviting veterans to share their experience in higher education. I think that uh, not a lot of institutions and universities do that. And kudos to both of you for furthering the conversation around student veterans and their experiences uh, in higher ed as non-traditional students. Uh, we have military members that are also traditional age students, mm -hmm. but their experience and also serving in the military makes them uh, a little different and their level of responsibilities, you know, uh, much greater. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they wear they wear the mantle of the student, but they also um, protect our nation and serve our nation. So, thank you both yeah. for hosting this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, and and we'll say this is just the first part of this part of this conversation and we like to keep continuing it and I, I have a I learned a lot I have a lot to continue to learn so I appreciate these conversations yeah I want to thank the veterans for donating their time and their experiences Mark Peter uh, Lavinia thank you very much yes. yeah thank you for being honest and vulnerable we appreciate it yeah thank you so much yeah. thank you goodbye thank you